Welcome everyone to this one time at OU. We're excited this week to have a special guest, Dave McLean, and of course Roz. Hey Dave. Hey Roz. Hey. Hi. Hi Tim. How are you? Good. Uh, my little circle's good. The world's a mess, you know? <laughs> right, right. Into 2021, everybody. Here we go. Hold on. <laughs> Dave, you're the first podcast of the new year. Congratulations. I'm, thank you. I'm, I'm honored. We'll, we'll so are it, we. It'll we're be a excited good start. To hear, we're excited to hear about Athens' music scene in the late, late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Okay. 1981 grad, right, Dave? That's correct. Yep. Uh, radio TV. Nice. Performance started out in journalism, but switched because I it was it was too hard. <laughs> uh, I'm a journalism major. I just barely yeah. made it though. <laughs> yeah. It, was it the typing test? <laughs> no, I think it was some of the the. I, I sound really lame saying that, but I, I mean, I I actually um, I actually wanted to do TV. It, broadcast was just more looked more fun to me at the time, and. Uh, uh, so, uh, some of my freshman year, I changed. Nice, nice. Well, it sounds like you had a fun time because you came on to talk about uh, the Athens bands of the early 80s. And uh, from what I understand, that was right when the punk rock explosion started to happen, probably all over the place, including Athens. Yeah. And uh, tell us more about about your experience uh, in Athens in the 80s and... Being well, in a band sounds fun. Well, yeah, I uh, you know I pegged my my experience in Athens. I went to freshman orientation, and I saw uh, the first Star Wars movie. I think at the Athena. That was what I did one evening on my freshman orientation, all by myself. And uh, so it was what nineteen seventy seven in the summer. And so I started. I was from Medina, ah. uh, and yeah, so Medina boy comes to Athens, and I really loved the the vibe and everything and i wanted to be down there and i, I like the kind of countercultural element of it and uh it was I, I have older siblings two sisters older than me and they had influenced me a lot and it was like oh yeah i'm finally you know out of that high school thing and i'm out here with real people and hippies and <laughs> under uh underground stuff going on and uh so, you know, freshman year, though, I, I started to get wind of, you know, all the things that are happening elsewhere. And, uh, you know, in Athens at the time, it was, uh, you know, there was disco and there was uh, country rock. And uh, that's really what you heard in the in the clubs mostly, you know, and, um, you know, some folk stuff, of course. And were there, yeah, um, I'm sorry, were there discotheque type places there? At yeah, that time? There, there were a couple of discos. There's one called The Deck. And there was another one uh, up near, uh, uh, sort of near the Blue Eagle uh, music. Uh, I forget the name of it, but they had they had a professional dancer, disco guy, who would come in and get people going and show them the dances. Oh and, wow! Uh, you could have had that job, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, it it was a big thing, you know. There it was so there was that, and and it. it, it as much as I liked what was going on in Athens and the rural aspect, and I always I always called it a practice town, you know, because it's a little insular. So Dave is fine. This little uh, insular community, you know, and you um, you practice being an adult, you know. It's got banks right. and it's got bars, and and this was before the <laughs> drinking age changed. Um, so oh yeah, you know, you, lucky you. 
Yeah, you could. And that made a big difference in, in your ability to, you know, I think the club scene was probably a little bit better then. Um, yeah, so the, the music scene at the time was dominated by, you know, I would call it country rock. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, you could get disco. There were two discotheques, or they didn't call them discotheques, they were discos. Uh, one was called the Deck, which was in the basement of the College Inn. Um, I think I'm getting that right. Not not the OU High University Inn, but the College Inn. You no, know, on the corner there, when we were there, it was right. a Nickelodeon, like right on that right. corner of a, a state. Yeah, and they, you could, uh, they had disco there, and they also had an oldies night that was pretty fun. I would go to that. Uh, and then there, there was another one on... Um, um, Court Street, where they they actually had a, a professional disco dancer who would you know get everybody going and go out and show them the all the steps and everything. But I yeah I really wasn't into that at the time. You know I was kind of coming from a Bob Dylan background, but starting to hear all the new stuff that was going on and realizing that it wasn't happening in Athens. There just wasn't you know uh, it, it was you know, it was a lot of Grateful Dead vibe going on. Uh, and uh, so yes, this was always right perpetually yeah yeah you you it's uh you get a contact high just walking you know past the war memorial on on uh, college green i think well dave uh, you mentioned uh but you mentioned country rock would that have been like a southern rock like a leonard skinner type or what do you yeah, you decide say country rock is that what you mean yeah and, and let me think for a minute at the time you know there, there were some bands that were pretty good that were you know there were live bands that would play uh yeah uh, marshall tucker band and covers and stuff like yeah, that mcguffey lane was probably around at that time yeah mcguffey lane was was very big at that time um and yeah i got to a point so i got through i was in freshman uh freshman year and i somehow got to live in lincoln hall and that wasn't a freshman dorm at the time i started out in biddle and i got a place with a guy who i'd met who lived across from wlhd which was the radio station you know, the carrier current station in, in Lincoln Hall. And uh, that year was uh, it'd be 1978, the, the station manager banned punk rock because he wasn't going to have that played there. He didn't think it was good enough. And, oh, uh, that's the, terrible. Well, yeah, the last thing you want to do to a 19-year-old if you don't want him to do something is to tell him not to do it. So Right. You know, <laughs> they, I have uh, a 19-year-old. Well, <laughs> we know. <laughs> Exactly, and so you, you want to use you want to use uh, some jujitsu, you know, psychological jujitsu on them. You don't want to just say, "Hey, this is banned," because immediately, uh, you know, first of all, I said, "Hey, well, give me all of the promo records that you get. I just I'll take them if you don't want them. You're gonna throw them out." And so I amassed all these promo records that were coming out by the Buzzcocks and the Sex Pistols, of course, Ramones, and uh, and then you could also get them at Hoffa's, which was the secondhand music store. Um, and it was down below, uh, down below the Baskin and Robbins for some reason. And I, yeah, I think I remember that when we were there. That sounds familiar. It was an amazing place. You could yeah. get great records. I, you know, I probably spent class time in there. You know, finding albums and uh, just really immersed myself in this. And uh, but I was still getting kind of frustrated. And over the summer, I went home, got an electric guitar. My friends from high school got a band together and we started playing yeah we were playing in garage our garage and uh again following what was going on and, and none of this was coming to athens it just seemed really you know out in the sticks 
So when I got back as a sophomore, uh, I was actually thinking about transferring to Kent State, of all places, because my friends were there. And I thought, well, they're there, and maybe I could go up there, and it's closer to Cleveland, and there's more stuff going on. Better than, uh, OU, uh, better than Ohio State or Miami, so that's okay. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I didn't do that. But what made the difference was I was walking down, and I'm sorry, the road in front of the College Green uh, that goes by the Old Baker Center, and it was a hot September night. Union, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a union, you're right. It's on the campus, though. And the, the old Frontier Room, if you remember, had these big double-hung windows, and they had them open. And there was a band practicing. They were doing like a sound check, and they were playing some Stone song. And it was the first thing that I heard that really grabbed me. you know. And I, So I went in, and I sat through their sound check. You know, they were just getting ready. This was like the, the Frontier Room was a really cool place because it was run by students, and you could get alcohol there, and... But they were like nine till midnight. They would close at midnight. So bands like McGuffey Lane would play there and a lot of touring acts. But that night, it turned out the band that was there was called the Bogus Brothers. They may still be around, Mark Markham uh, and the Bogus Brothers. Um, And they were kind of like a biker band to me. That's how I described them. Gotta love the name. (laughs) (laughs) They were... uh, Were they they bogus? (laughs) they, They had a bogus element to them for sure. And they were led by a guy named Mark Markham, who was a, um, he was actually a, ma- he, he was working on his master's degree at, at OU, and he did this wild video uh, called Colleges, Corpses, and Chevrolets. And, um, but they, they were playing stuff like Stones, they were doing Velvet Underground covers, and it was this really raucous, wild night. And I ended up staying the whole night, you know, and all of a sudden, all these people started dancing, so you've got all these wild women and hippie chicks uh you know just going crazy on the dance floor and and it was totally different from disco it was exactly what i was looking for doesn't sound bogus to me at all yeah yeah so i mean it was like you know again i'm what i guess it was about yeah i was 19 so uh you know it was a real i you know the kid from medina seeing all this and um and medina was pretty farm country back then correct Medina. Medina. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of on a cusp, but it was like a bed. It had become kind of a bedroom community. For my dad worked in Akron, and uh, uh, Akron or Cleveland people would, but it was still kind of agrarian at the time. Right. Is it true that you're responsible for renaming like Funky Cool Medina? <laughs> I, I, I sorry, couldn't help it. Yeah, I can't take. Well, yeah, it, it really, the the pronunciation, of course, you know, in Ohio, it's like you know, it's like Lima, Ohio, or or in of Lima. And uh, Medina, what is it? Saudi Arabia uh, is is Medina in Ohio. Uh, so yeah, so that's when I decided I wanted to have a band, and and that's when things started to really click. And that's I decided to stay at OU, and I started meeting people. Uh, and there was starting to be this scene of like people from Cleveland, you know, who were like at WLHD playing late night punk shows and. Uh, there were these three girls who would hang out there, and I would always notice them. And I was scared to death of them because I, you know, I was a kid from Medina, and uh, but I was really interested in what they were doing. Uh, and one of them ended up being very integral in my life. Uh, but they were playing Patti Smith and uh, Lou Reed. Um, 
and then all the you know, crazy new stuff that I'd never heard of, but I was just really eating it up and decided that I was going to, you know, finally get this band together. And, um, and what instrument do you, did, or did you or do you play? <laughs> well, I started out playing guitar. I mean, well, that's, what I, that's what I was playing then. I, I purchased a guitar. And then um, I was living in Gammertsfelter Hall up in the attic, uh, the fourth floor, whatever the top floor is, in a single room. And I had a little amp up in the... It's a penthouse. Yeah, right. And it was a little tiny room, you know, I had a little tiny amp and I would play up there hoping that somebody would come by and say, hey, do you want to do a band? Finally, I heard about the, the Paula Dale and uh, a guy named Tom Hamilton from Cleveland. Paula was from Indiana, uh, but she had lived in Cleveland. So they had that Cleveland vibe, you know, that was like the big city. And they were going out together, and uh, he played bass, and she played guitar, which was kind of unique, because at the time, you didn't see many women playing guitar in rock bands. And I started jamming with them, and we were doing things like Secret Agent Man and doing covers of Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. And <clears throat> But it was such a driving thing that I was really trying to push this all together. And there started to be kind of a party scene, uh, on Court Street, up above where Swanky's used to be, and Swanky's was an amazing club. Um, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that was a little before our time, Ross, because everyone always talks on the websites about OU, about and Facebook pages about Swanky. So it must—I uh, don't know when it went away, but it does sound familiar as well. But I don't remember ever going there, so it must have been. Yeah, tell us about Swanky's. Swanky's, well, it, as the kid from Medina came there, you know, I was warned that this is a gay bar, and you don't, you know, and if you go in there, people will, will ostracize you. Um, ah. And it, uh, yeah, uh, there were there were all kinds of people there. Uh, and it, but, yeah, this was the 70s, and that was a big deal, you know, and, uh, but it was not a gay bar. Uh, you know, gay people were there, and all kind. it was completely... Uh, it, it was a very diverse crowd, uh, and it was run by a guy named Ivan Fask, who really did a lot of good stuff after he left Athens and um, settled in, in Cincinnati. And he passed away about a year ago, or a couple years ago, and they did a, uh, a big uh, memorial service for him in Athens. But he ran Swanky's, and it, was, um, it, it had a biker element to it. Uh, it had a punk element to it. Uh, they, I tell the reggae band would play there all the time. Uh, the floor was really sticky, and it, it, but it was carpet, <laughs> um, and it was very narrow. And they would have it. They had a little DJ booth where uh, Ivan would let you bring your records and be a DJ, and he, that, that was a lot of fun. And, and it was a good place just to go and dance. It sounds like a great place. And it's funny that these bars in college have carpeted floors. Well, Roz and I have talked about that before, and I is one of Roz's favorites. Oh, yeah, they yeah. were very regular there. Uh, that sounds like an awesome bar. Yeah, and um, so up above that, there was like these tenement apartments where Carpenter's Hardware used to be. I think all that block burned sometime in the 80s. Uh, and that's where all the cool people had apartments, and they would have great parties up there. And there was all the new music was being played, and dance parties with the windows wide open, and people down on the street, and people up there, and throwing stuff down to people, you know, beers and things, and uh, down on the street. 
And that's where I started to meet the other people. So Paula and Tom and I found a guy named Rick Beatty, uh, who we recruited to be our singer in this band. And somehow Rick found a guy from Troy, Ohio, named uh, Larry Demaret. And we formed this band, and we decided to call it Rick Ronco and the Ktels. And it was based on the you know the late night uh, commercials for Ktel Records and and Ronco products. And ah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, so it was sort of a play on you know the the that scene then that kind of disposable culture, and it seemed perfect for a punk band. And uh, none it. of us had been in a band before, you know. And so, uh, but but I was just so. Uh, I've never been more passionate about something, even though I couldn't play that well. And none of it, we were all learning, you know. But so we started writing songs, and Paula wrote a song called Mr. Microphone, which was a, a Ronco product. And I wrote a song called Vegematic Love. And uh, then we. I like it. Started writing more. And uh, the Bogus Brothers let us open for them at um, the Frontier Room. And you got to understand, the Bogus Brothers are this biker band, and they're kind of big guys, and you know, a little bit scary, uh, you know, for for young people like us, and certainly like me. And the Ktels, we were all short, you know. I'm like five seven, you know, and I think Tom Hamilton was the tallest on bass. He was about five nine, maybe. Uh, Paula, of course, being a woman on guitar. Rick uh, is African-American, so we've got a black singer and a very white guy, me, and a uh, kind of this uh, olive-skinned punk girl playing guitar. And then Larry was kind of like Animal and the Muppets. And uh, we opened for the Bogus Brothers, and and they actually liked it because we brought in a whole bunch of kids who had started following this scene. You know, well, we started to see that. Quick question. You, you mentioned when we, we started talking that what really got you passionate was hearing the bogus brothers like hey the frontier room we hear some stone song so how much time has elapsed when you first saw the bogus brothers that you're now opening for them uh four five months something like that holy cow that's great yeah we pushed it through (laughs) it was it was more important to get on the stage than to be good at music you know i mean the idea was to and, and that was the unique thing about it about this whole i i called it hawking beat you know like you know in england in in uh, on the River Mersey, they have the the Mersey beat. That was a right. scene. So I, you know, it's kind of a tongue in cheek take on the Athens scene, but the whole idea was to to get some action going, and you know we gradually learned how to play pretty well, and we got fairly tight because we practice all the time, and it uh, that show went pretty well, and then we started playing. We did a Swanky's gig or two, and and we were getting the biggest crowds I've ever gotten in my life. You know, because people would come out. Uh, because they knew you from school and everything, but I think people were intrigued by the new sound that was happening. Uh, right, that sounds amazing. So it, yeah, it really kind of really caught on, and then other bands were forming, and there were there were a couple other punk bands at the time. There were the Feral Children. They were a little bit more caustic, a little more edgy. Uh, I love a, the name though, Feral Children. Yeah, they were uh, they were on the South Green, and uh, we we had based ourselves pretty much on the East Green. But then, as we uh, as we matured, as it were, I'm mean, talking like over six months, you know, we started to get better, and and then got out of the dorms, and Rick and I moved to uh, uh, an attic apartment on North Congress Street. Uh, it was a, a really nice lady named Minnie Mitchell, who was a it was a boarding house, and she had the cafeteria ladies living on the first floor with her 
who would come into town and they'd stay there for the week and work at the cafeterias. And then students on the second and third floor, and Rick and I were up on the third floor. And we ended up practicing over at Paul's apartment, and she was living over what was then the Souflaki sandwich shop. And oh, I can't yes. remember what that became. It's still there. It's still, it's still Suvaki's. Um, and I had friends when we were there that lived above it. That was always wow. like a part. That was always a party apartment above Suvaki's. It was yeah, because they're they're really spacious, you know. For in 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 college terms, they were kind of you know it was, it was more than I could afford. I don't know how Paula paid for it, but uh, it had a balcony on the front, and we would practice there until Mr. Souflaki, as we called him, his name was it was actually uh, a Greek name, Prokos. Yeah, but, Mr. P. Yeah, and uh, we called him. Everybody called him Mr. Souflaki, and he would come up, and uh, he, his his English at the time wasn't real strong, so he would tell us no more boom boom, no bang bang, uh, and we'd have to turn it down. And uh, eventually. We ended up renting a house out by the Dairy Queen on Columbus Road, and uh, we started practicing there. So we had our own kind of honeycomb hideout. In oh, the, man. I used to go to that Dairy Queen a lot. That was like a little trip. To right. There. Yeah, it was a hike. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. then you could really rock out, probably being a little more out of town. Yeah, we finally got that going, you know, and and then uh, we did a we did one gig in Cincinnati, which was where Rick was from. We played Bogarts and and another club there, and but well, then Bogarts is a big place in Cincinnati. I've been there. Yeah, it's like an agora kind of place. Yeah, yeah. no, like way to go for not knowing how to play an instrument. Four months later, you're opening for a band, and now you're at Bogarts. So you guys must be pretty good. Well, we were, yeah, it was, it was the, the act, you know, again, it was, the, we were unique looking and we were very energetic. I'd crawl all over the stage while I was playing. I mean, I, I would, because I, you know, I, I, I played within my limits, you know, I was mostly doing chords, but I would try to be as active as possible. So it looked like I was really working hard. <laughs> uh, and the, um, so, so things went really well, but then by the end of that year, we all decided we were going to do something different as bands go, you know, and the the, the one unique point I need to say is that Paul and I are, we, we've been married now for 40 years, and Aww, uh, that's yeah, awesome. so yeah, we stayed together. She formed a band after the K-Tells, and Rick Beatty joined a band called The Erector Set, which was like a ska band, and they got a record deal, Um and then we formed other bands the next year. I was in a group called the Boss Guitars. And then there was a, a really great power pop band that came later called the Backbeat. And they were uh, they, they were pretty amazing. Then people were really starting to get good. And it was uh, and the Union had opened up then. I think the Union opened the upstairs uh, live music. In 1980, they, they opened that up. See, I didn't know that. I know the union's been around forever, and I, I always assumed that it was upstairs-downstairs, so I didn't know that the upstairs was open later. Yeah, they opened it, and at first it was sort of like, it looked like somebody's rec room. You know, you felt like you're in a basement, and it had paneling, and the new, what I've seen of the new place, it's a lot a lot cooler. Uh, but it was it was a good place. You know, the Bogus Brothers played there, and my band played there, and... Uh, uh, but it was a real cool scene. I mean, it was it was the most, you know, it, just something about it. it really made Athens be memorable for me, even though it was just a couple of years of that going on. Uh, Any you know, real uh, memorable moments from those years? 
Yeah. Um, well, when they brought when Ivan at the at Swanky's brought the band The Pagans from Cleveland, that was pretty wild because that that was when it was still kind of a little bit edgy and people didn't you know weren't sure they liked it or not, and there was there was a lot of resistance to it. And and this is not. You know, when you say punk rock, you think of like, you know, hardcore stuff. This was like pre-hardcore and it was still, you know, a little bit scary to people and a little bit, you know, they, they were a little put off by it. Was it like uh, like in East L.A.? Like, I'm real familiar with like X and the whole East uh, L.A. punk. Was it was it like that? It was or a little was closer like, to that. Yeah, okay. it was like, yeah, I would liken it to uh, the Buzzcocks, you know, it was sort of the mm-hmm. sound that I would, you know, the British band and... Uh, we were playing at Swanky's one time, and w- there was some kind of a mix-up, and they said, well, we've got another band on the stage, but you can play over here on the dance floor. And we, w- we weren't very well, we didn't go over very well that night, because the band on the stage was a prog rock band, and you know, they had synthesizers and stuff, and, and we're banging it out on two guitars and a bass. And uh, we had a bottle thrown at us, but n- nobody got hurt. And uh, that was this other band named Yes is playing in the other part. You can play that, over here, right? Is that it? Yeah, it was basically they did some Yes. Yes, that's true. And uh, and I would be a little bit contentious, you know. I was you know trying to play the be a little bit of a, uh, a troublemaker sometimes, you know. So I would do the intro to a Yes song, you know, and then I would yeah play that. I forget, a roundabout. I would play the opening to roundabout very, very poorly, and then go right into you know some Ramon song, and, and people would get really upset about that. But but all in all, it got to uh, yeah, be really cool. That, no wonder they threw a bottle at you. Yeah, I know. It was, but that was it. You know, you had to, you know, you you, you had to play the. And uh, probably the the most memorable time that I ever had there was Paula and I for Halloween. And this was not Halloween night, but she and I walked around uh, Court Street just doing our thing. Uh, and I was wearing my leather jacket, and she had on some leather stuff, and I had a dog collar on with a with a, a leash. And we, it was sort of like an Edward Gorey, uh, Charles Adams kind of vibe. You know, and it was Halloween day, and you walk around, and it was really, you know, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of women would come over and tell Paula, hey, you really, you really got it together here. Yeah, he's other, so cute. I want one. Come here. Come here, boy. Yeah. <laughs> they were telling, telling yeah, her no that. Wonder, sorry, I was going to say, no wonder she married you. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was, I, I, I played whatever role I needed to play, you know, and that, that's, you, you, had to, you had to do that. But, you know, just being decadent and you, you get away with it there. And, uh, but there were still people who were a little bit put off by it. So you had a little bit of, you know, it was. Uh, and you probably enjoyed the shocking. Of that's the right. Yeah, I, I have to you know? I have to confess. You were, yeah, you were having yeah. fun with that, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's so we, awesome. Yeah, if you did if you went to Kent you wouldn't have met your wife, right? That's I mean, right. Yeah. That's crazy. Now when did you ask to marry? Was that was that music induced as well? Like were you on stage when you did it or No, we uh it was um hmm, it was nineteen eighty one when I was graduating. Uh, Paula had already graduated, I think, and she was just working in Athens. She was working at a print shop. And uh and we decided we were gonna do it and um Got married in Evansville, Indiana, and had a kind of a small ceremony there, and uh, it's been up from there. You know, we lived nice. in Akron for a while, and uh, been back to Athens a few times. Uh, 
had a friend's uh, friend's daughter got married there because she had a great experience. She was a OU alum and her husband, and so uh, had some opportunities to go back. We had a band reunion. The, I mentioned uh, the back. I was going to ask that. Yeah, when are you, when are you guys getting back together? Ah, uh, boy, I'd, I'd like to. Uh, Rick's and Rick had been living in Los Angeles. He was doing movies actually, and. He's back in Cincinnati now, I think, so it might be a little bit more doable. And we're all still alive and reasonably healthy. Yeah, so. Roz and I are thinking about having a, this one time at OU like weekend, and you guys would have to come play for that. And we're going to have someone come, and they're going to recreate late-night pizza, so we got all kinds of things planned. That's amazing. Yeah, I'd love that. Right, right. The excuse to go back to Athens. I mean, that is just, it's such a special place, and it sounds like your time there was ex- extra fun. How did you actually graduate with all with all that band uh, action? Well, I don't yeah, know believe, how you managed to go to class. <laughs> believe it or not, I graduated with honors, but I, I don't know how I did that. I mean, it, it uh, I took a lot of theater classes because I was in performance in radio, TV, and um, I, yeah, I was fairly, fairly, a fairly good student i i probably you know if i were going to do it again i'd probably do more extracurricular with with wub and acrn and um i did a little bit of that mostly when i was a freshman but now working at ou at wub or acrn when you were there yeah i did i did radio news and um i did ran the what was called nobody will know what this is now i did a tell us i was operated the telecini on uh wub and that was the uh Back before digital and, well, way before digital, but you, you'd show film or slides. It was basically a film projector that shot right into a TV camera. And so they'd say, okay, take film, and you'd roll a PSA, and you'd have to have it, you know, threaded. It was like being in the AV club in fifth grade. What uh, was that called? Because I don't know. You're right. I don't know that machine. I have to look it up. Uh, Telecine. T-E-L-E. T-E-L-E-C-I-N-E. And it was up. Check it out. It was like upstairs in the studio, and you'd get on headphones, and the director would bark commands about putting slides up behind the newscaster. Now, when you left, uh, you mentioned that uh, you were listening to the the radio, then they weren't allowed to have punk on the e-screen, and that you say uh, carrier current, and that's when... Each green, the radio waves actually went over the electrical current, and it couldn't get past the transformer, so it was designed to be in each green, and then that all came together and became ACRN and went cable. Were you around for that, or was that much later? Yeah, ACRN was cable when I was there. Uh, the, the carrier current station sort of, I got the impression they were sort of a holdover, and um Theoretically, what you would do is that when WLHD's local programming out of Lincoln Hall went off the air, they'd switch over and it would, ACRN would come over WLHD on the carrier current. But you I could didn't know that. you could still get ACRN. Uh, and and there's actually some guys, um, some friends of mine who who could be a lot more knowledgeable about that. It's really there was some really interesting stuff going on then. Uh, and, and ACRN also got into some. They, they were doing simulcasts too. Like um, uh, we did a show at the Frontier Room, and they simulcast it uh, on ACRN. Wow, that's great! Kind of it was it was audio streaming before its time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I don't know how many people were listening, but 
Uh, yeah. So, so in a way, you know, again, that's the great thing about Athens. It's this little, you know, laboratory town where you learn how to be an adult and, you know, learn how to have conflict and resolve it and uh, figure out ways to do things that, you know, maybe... Uh, Any crazy fan stories? Hmm. Yeah, crazy fan stories. One girl put me in a collar and walked me around town. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah, crazy band stories. <laughs> the, the thing that I remember though was it was a really cool scene because I remember Rick and I were had come back from one. We were on a quarter system then, and uh, and we were just getting our apartment set up again. And he said, "Hey, I saw all these." I've seen so many punk people walking around town. And I say, yeah, I saw them too. And you would be able to, it was really easy to identify because everybody at that time was wearing, you know, boot cut jeans and, and, and uh, hiking boots and cowboy hats. So if you saw somebody wearing Chuck Taylor uh, Converse and, and God forbid a skinny tie, yeah, you you knew <laughs> that you, was considered punk. Well, yeah, that was the thing then. You know, again, <laughs> that was, it was, was like the ska punk, right? Right. You have you know, or or you know, a, an odd haircut, you know, and uh, but but you could spot each other, and you you know, you'd form these groups that would have parties together and uh, create a scene. So it, it was. I'm not sure it was so much of a fan thing as just kind of a building a, a, you know, a group of extended group of friends and and uh uh everybody participated so it was it was a cool scene well and raj you can probably relate to this better than i can because you, you knew a lot more musicians but it seems when you saw a band they were kind of like elevated super cool people they're in a band if they were in a band that was was good they're like wow man he's in the, you know that's the guitar player for whatever band did you kind of have that status when you went around like everyone knew you and you were the the cool punk movement now well, yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, I remember we, uh, Paul and I got asked to do a photo shoot because uh, uh, actually the, the woman who did the shoot, she was a photo major, uh, was from Medina, but she said, I've got to get you guys in there. Because, yeah, I mean, we weren't really doing anything that unusual. I just had kind of, I had a very short haircut and Paula had kind of a spiky haircut and we had some, you know, we'd get clothes at, at the thrift store, which it was i mean it just sounds so quaint right now that you know who who would even notice that now but at the time that was a really big deal to go to a thrift store and buy clothes it was considered kind of you know kind of gauche you know and and there's a certain revenge of the nerds element to this whole thing but you know we started creating this look and paula was really good at going to thrift stores and finding like 60s stuff you know and 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 so it was this sort of mid-60s crossover with you know uh, marianne faithful and rolling stones kind of look with the newer punk elements to it and so we got invited to do photo shoots you could get free photography and you could get free recording time there too because uh there were so many students doing that and they needed subjects for their classes all right that's an advantage Yes. So you were really there at the forefront of that. And now it's very part of it's ingrained in Athens. There's still a punk scene from, yeah, yeah. you know, ACRN. We had their student on from there. And it sounds like uh, they play a lot of that music. And uh, so that's that's awesome. It's not just hippies in Athens. (laughs) Did you keep any? Do you have I guess would have been cassettes then 
Uh, do you have any old shows? Yeah. Still still around? Yeah. Any video around? Uh, there is a, f- we made a movie actually on 16 millimeter, uh, Christine Canale, one of the Cleveland women who was at the radio station who, uh, hung around with my wife and, uh, she did like a documentary of the K-Tales, but I, I haven't been able to get her to put it on video. I don't, I don't know if it still exists, but, uh, there's that, but yeah, we've got some audio. I can send you clips if, if you wanted to run those. Yeah, I would love to check it out. It's it's pretty raw, but you you hear you hear people. You know, the main thing is that there's a crowd of people in there that was surprisingly large. That's good. I mean, Athens and the Union really is kept the music scene alive. I Absolutely. think because they take you know anyone can play there. At least when we were there, a lot of you know live music every night. So if you weren't good, maybe you got a Monday night, but. It was still live music every night, and that, mm-hmm. that's great. And that's a really props to the union for keeping it going all these years. Absolutely. Yeah, I think they were they, – they really became uh, the, the play – well, there, there was the Frontier Room, Swankies, the union, and then there was another place, um, West End Tavern, which I don't know if that's still around, but it was, it was on down union. It's not. It's a cider house now. Um, it might even be called the cider. It is called the cider house. But when we were there, it was still there. Mm-hmm. And that was that was more of the towny bar. I went there in later years just because I, I had some friends that went there. But that was always a little bit out of town. Did they have bands there? I don't remember that one during our time. Yeah, it really wasn't set up for it as much as uh, but they had them. You know, but you played on the floor. You know, they just cleared a space out, and uh, we did a couple of gigs there. Uh, Paula's band played there a few times. And uh, but those were the those were the main ones. And I, I just I, I'm really you know I don't want to be one of those grouchy old alumni, but I was really sad what they did with the Frontier Room and and you know it's bad enough making it into a coffee shop you know <laughs> and then they I guess it's completely gone now I don't know but uh, yeah I know we were we were there t- uh, sad about there t- that too it, we were there when they switched it from a bar to a coffee shop we yeah. had to witness it oh, yeah it went from everyone having fun rocking out to everyone wearing black smoking cigarettes and complaining yeah right <laughs> it was it was a cool place and you could hang out there you know in the, it was a little bit of a probably a little uh, probably played a role in a lot of people dropping out you know because you, you in the middle of the day it was a pretty strong draw to go up on the patio and have a beer you know sit on the wall and watch people go by yeah right the old have a beer in between classes and then all of a sudden you're missing your class (laughs) that's right yeah at least we got two years of it tim (laughs) yeah exactly we'll be grateful for that what year were you guys there uh we were there 86 to 90 91 all right yeah i'm the 91 part of that (laughs) (laughs) i feel so old now (laughs) <laughs> well, you don't sound all. It's particularly when you're OU, you're rocking out. I now, know. do you still play today? Yeah, I've I've been in bands ever since. I've never I've never hit that high that feeling that you get there. I mean, you you can't you know it, it's you know, part of it's just being in college and you've got a lot of social big social Angst. circle, you know. And but yeah, those were the those were the best times. But since then, yeah, we've we've uh we've come back and played some um we played a reunion with my other band the boss guitars came back in 2000 and played there and and then we did the gig with the backbeat um and um 
So, but yeah, I, I still play, and I, in fact, I write songs about Athens and um, today. You know, I'm not in a band now. I, oh. I wrapped one up about five years ago. No, that's very important because we had the mayor on. Roz, remember that? And we said we'd get right. come up with a uh, a theme song for Athens. You got anything? Let's talk about <laughs> that. And the mayor's like, yeah, send us. That would be great because I don't know if there's an official Athens song. So, um, I, and we had another person on there, and we asked him, like, what would what would you think of, like, what kind of uh, style should an Athens song be? And he's like, well, you know what? I think the band kind of that style of music represents Athens well and I kind of agreed with them you mean the band like Robbie Robertson yes yeah yeah that that probably is accurate and you know for all I'm saying about you know all the punk stuff and everything it was really cool there what you know I really did enjoy too the the more rural vibe of the place and the Blue Eagle music store at the time that was where Paula got her guitar and in fact, the guy that used to own it was in the Bogus Brothers, uh, Ethan Green. He bought it from the people who had it when I was there. And you could get music lessons there. And you know, it was a really folksy music store, but they they supported the rock scene too. Yeah, they're still there today. And I think like maybe that second owner just changed, or maybe it's been the same person for a long time. I think you're right. But now, yeah, a lot of that too. You know, the the Fur Piece Ranch with uh, Yorma, uh, that's that's doing some amazing things. I talk to people who go up to Athens for workshops. Well, it's funny you mentioned there, but you know the band Cracker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my son wanted to be a music uh, production guy, and we met them backstage, and we asked him like they were super nice. They you know did a kind of a round table with my son asking a question. He's like, yeah, and in Athens, Ohio, outside of Athens, there's a, a like a six week workshop. He says, go take that. That's that's as good as any degree you're gonna get. So uh, it's a small world. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Mark Markham, who I mentioned a minute ago in the Bogus Brothers, he still plays there. He, he's like a I don't know if he's a faculty or what, but in uh, in Yorma. Uh, actually did he recorded one of mark's songs called if this is love can i get my money back so if you look up yorma's version of that uh i don't know if it's under hot tuna or or just his solo but it's a really good version of of a bogus brother song oh wow i gotta check that out yeah it's right up your alley Roz. Uh, yeah i was always a yorma fan that's amazing well, thank you, David, for coming on the podcast and sharing your, you know, and thank you for ushering punk into the Athens yeah, scene. Yeah, it's keeping thank it going. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God well, somebody did. Hey, before we close, though, we always like to ask, Dave, I mean, we talked about, like, favorite memory, but what, what's your favorite thing about OU in Athens? What would you say? I actually like the way it's a little bit decrepit. You know, and I don't mean that in a cynical, mean kind of way. I mean, it's, uh, I love the topography, and I love the old houses, and I like how it hasn't, well, the last time I was there, it hasn't been, you know, it, it hasn't been bricked over or, or paved over. Um, and it, you know, it's really still maintained an insular vibe, and I hope it can continue that. I've heard some bad things about what's going on with state universities, you know, with uh, not just the pandemic, but just changes in education. Well, enrollment's down there, and that's something they're struggling with for the last few years. Yeah, because it would be really sad, you know, in that community, because that's that's the anchor down there. Uh, but, yeah, just the, 
you know, just the vibe of you can walk anywhere and... Um, yeah, it is not fancy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I love that. Right. Um, I get it. Never That's a great regret answer. it. Great answer. <laughs> well, you'll have to come down and we'll have a, this one time in OU weekend, your band will have to play. I'll do it. I'll, I'll get something together. You just let us know. Well, fantastic. And we'll work on this. The, yeah, we got Athens theme song and we'll bring in the mayor and like, here, here, uh, Mr. Mayor, Mayor Patterson, <laughs> what do you think? That would be that, great. That, can be, that would be great. Uh, Roz, anything else? No, I just am dying to hear this theme song, Dave. You'll have to, maybe you can send it to us and we can put it on our website. Yeah, well, it was done in GarageBand. It, it, it might be okay. I'll send it to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah COVID, cool. COVID rules. I can't, can't play with it. Well, anybody. yeah, you know, up to you, up okay. to you. But I'm very interested in that. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Thanks sure so does. much. Okay. Yes, on. thank you very much. And we look forward to, to connecting with you in the future. Hey, you're doing a great job. I love your show. Thank you. All right, thank you so much. Have a great night. See you later.